1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we are always telling people to enjoy what is happening now with the Bucks 36 and 6, an incredible run to start the season. But there are games that feel like they mean a little bit more than others. And Uh, To be honest, there's just not too many games where the Bucs have a chance to get a little bit of revenge this season because they just haven't lost. But this game against the Celtics tonight is one of those. The last time they met, the Bucs did lose to Boston in Boston after giving up a a big lead. And that was something they did a couple of times to start the season. They've certainly uh, fixed that aspect of their game up and just haven't lost too much since. But Frank, this game... It does feel like it might mean a little bit more in the context of the season.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny um, to think how few games the Bucks have played against some of the yeah. top rivals in the East. You know, I mean, you just look at the standings. The Heat, they obviously played. They lost that first home game against. Haven't played them since the Celtics. Um, obviously, they lose that game early in the season. So you're talking about two the two losses in the first four games or whatever. Right? We joke about the two and two start the heat and Celtics were those, were those, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're in those losses and, um, you know, the fact that they haven't played them since, uh, is, is kind of weird. And the Raptors number four seed right now, obviously haven't played them, uh, in quite a while or really, but what, what, like that was a second, was that the second or third week at end of the season? Something yes, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they got one game against kind of each of those, the two, three, four teams very early and they haven't played them since. And Indiana, they have played a couple times. um, but Philly, the six seed, obviously have only played them once, and the Magic—they've actually played them what three times, I guess now at this point. And then the Brooklyn Nets—they haven't played the Nets at all. Um, so it's weird because you're exactly—you know—you're—you're you're right at—you're right beyond the the midpoint of the season, and um, it feels like you haven't really played the the best teams in the East really, really at all, um, and. And really, they've, played, they've only played 24 out of their 42 games against Eastern rivals, um, which is, I don't know, feels like uh, not, not that many. I mean, it's slightly under kind of your, your, your pace, right? You play uh, 30 games against the West and 52 against the East. So they haven't, they're, they're a little short of their halfway mark against East teams, uh, having played 24 out of 52. They're 21 and 3 against the East. <laughs> With obviously two of those losses coming in that first week against the Heat Celtics, so um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a it is a measuring stick game. I think to some extent for sure, uh, because uh, obviously the Bucks have played some very good teams, um, but weirdly, uh, it feels like they've played you know more games against the best teams in the West than against the best teams in the East.
1: Yeah, well, I think the the interesting thing about the the twenty one and three record against the East, as you mentioned, is that. Those three losses came against Miami, Boston, and Philadelphia. So, uh, while the, while the Bucks are thirty six and six right now, you're like, okay, it would be nice to beat one of these these top teams in the East. And we know that they're going to have uh, multiple games against uh, all these teams coming up. You already mentioned Brooklyn; they've got them on the weekend after this game. Who now uh, have Kyrie Irving back? I don't know what that means for Brooklyn, but he is back. So, uh, yeah, you would like to start uh, winning some of these games against these teams in the East. Interestingly enough, Boston, I would say, not in their best form. They they lost three games in a row, and they did bounce back and beat the Pelicans and then the Chicago Bulls, two teams that are kind of struggling. And then tonight, uh, or last night probably when most people are listening to this, uh, they get blown out uh, by the Detroit Pistons, 116-103. So, they're going at to be home. looking at home. So, yeah, and this has been a team that's been really good at home. So, they're going to be looking to bounce back from that loss. Uh, Jason Tatum didn't play in that one with knee soreness. Obviously, uh, we'll see uh, what happens with him. But in this game, they really get what you would expect from their three best players, obviously, with Tatum out. So, they get 24 points, 12 rebounds uh, from Jalen Brown, uh, 19 from Kemba, and 25 points and seven rebounds from Gordon Haywood. So, uh, I think this has been a little bit of a theme with this team so far this season. Uh, it's been the, the four uh, uh, or the three wings, sorry, and then Kemba Walker obviously scoring a lot at the point guard position, and they don't really have a lot else.
0: Yeah, and keep in mind when the Bucks played the Celtics uh, earlier this season, Jalen Brown was out. Marcus Smart started. Right. Uh, so and- they might have the
1: same starting lineup, if you it, depending on what happens with Tatum and just switch Brown and Tatum, but that's what they went with against the Pistons.
0: Yeah, and my guess is Tatum. You know, this since this is a back-to-back yeah. for the Celtics. My, I mean, again, I I don't really have any major insight, but just Tatum hasn't been like out to you know, the, you know, of of late. So this seems like maybe it's just a, hey, let's rest him on the the easy front end of a back-to-back. Oh, whoops, they you know they get blown out at home to, to by the Pistons. So that, that part didn't work out. But you know, I I don't know. I just assumed they were saving him for this Bucks matchup. We'll, we'll see if that's actually the case. Uh, on On Thursday, but uh, it's been interesting because they they've missed Brown for periods. Uh, you know, he was out early in the season when the Bucks saw them. Uh, he's obviously been really good, but I'd say probably better than Tatum. Um, but that that's debatable. I think Tatum just hasn't been as efficient scoring as uh, as you probably would have expected. Whereas Brown's been been much better on that. And I think Tatum's I think had a, by all accounts a very good season defensively and perhaps eclipsed Brown in that regard. But uh, it's interesting because they've got those three wings that you mentioned, which kind of creates an interesting log jam um, with obviously Walker as at point, And then Daniel Tice has been uh, the starter for the, you know, pretty much the entire season there at center. And you look at some of the lineups, I mean, just looking at the, the lineups here on cleaning the glass, the lineup with uh, and, and Kemba's Kemba and Tice are sort of the, the, the mainstays of all of these um, and, and generally t- Tatum as well, since he's generally been healthy, but Smart Brown Tatum, uh, so no Hayward. That that group was obviously um, played a lot together while Hayward was out with what I guess was a hand injury. Um, Almost 300 possessions, just plus 3.5. So not not great um, in terms of net rating. And again, you know, I, I hesitate to say this is like indicative of oh, this means you know the the lineup with the best net rating is the best lineup moving forward. But just to give you guys a sense of what's happened. That that lineup without Hayward, but with Smart, Brown, Tatum, um, they've been slightly positive. uh, Bad offensively, generally pretty good defensively. Um, You throw Brown back in with Hayward, Hayward and Tatum. So I would say kind of the preferred top end uh, all healthy lineup with Smart coming off the bench. Uh, That group has been the most successful, plus 14.3 net rating uh, in 282 uh, possessions, 122 offensive rating. So they've been you know, again, I, I can't tell you exactly why, but maybe just, hey, those are your three most talented offensive players, better than Smart, obviously. So they've been very good offensively and, and overall very successful, but perhaps not surprisingly a little worse defensively, which makes sense, I think, when you take Smart out of that group. And then the the other grouping that um, has played a fair bit this year, Smart, Hayward, Tatum, so no Brown. That, that's basically the lineup we saw when the Bucks played this team earlier this year. And folks might remember Bucks had, what, like a 15-point lead, and then they end up blowing that lead in the second half, and uh, and uh, and you know really not keeping it very close in the end. That grouping, so the the lineup we saw earlier this year, uh, 157 possessions. So again, this is not a a very large sample at all that we're talking about. Plus 10 net rating, kind of okay offensively uh, and very good defensively. So um, yeah, I'm we'll see which of that group is the starters tomorrow, but I'm sure we'll see. You know, we may very well see combinations of that regardless of, of who's starting because, obviously, we know Smart will play a lot anytime he's healthy. And, uh, obviously, with those three wings, they give you, you know, a lot of balance offensively playing playing with Kemba. And and Tice is interesting because he's a mobile, a you know, more mobile big man, probably more like power forward size, but, you know, modern NBA. He's playing a lot of center, can step out and uh, knock down open threes. So, um, I think generally has, uh, you know, as, as much as maybe we didn't expect it, um, he's really stepped up and has been, uh, has been the, you know, one of the, the rocks of, of that starting lineup, uh, perhaps unexpectedly in this, in a season where the Celtics have been, you know, just generally really good. And, um, you know, they have, I think the third best, uh, point differential net rating differential in the league, uh, at almost plus eight points per 100 behind only the, the Lakers and bucks, obviously. And, uh, you know, they've been very good offensively and defensively, very good defensively, which I think it's probably maybe the more surprising part because offensively you'd expect them with that balance to be dangerous. Um, But defensively, maybe the most impressive thing because I think I certainly thought they would take a step back uh, losing Al Horford in the middle, but um, they've actually gotten better this year.
1: Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra 1000 bucks in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, the interesting thing I I guess this goes for both ways, defensively and, and offensively, is that they can really mix and match the lineups and and when you look at the minutes per game for the for this team, uh there's the four guys uh that you would or sorry, the, the five guys that you would expect that are that are averaging over thirty minutes, are so Tatum Brown, Walker, Haywood and Smart, and then there's a huge drop off but They're mixing and matching Tice a little bit, who you already spoke of. I I think he's the guy that they play uh, in important situations, but also they're getting decent minutes from Cantor, who we know. I mean, this is a guy that's bounced around a bunch of teams. Uh, He can score a little bit. Uh, there's been he's had moments defensively. I'll say, uh, particularly in, in a couple of games against the Sixers that I watched, where uh, he was really <laughs> uh, putting in maximum effort on on Embiid, and not necessarily getting the results, but he's a high uh, effort player. I would say that at times defensively, but Tys is a guy that that is uh, mobile, and I think that that's the key. He blocks shots, and then offensively, he's a guy that finishes. As a brick and roll guy, he also. I wouldn't say his three-point shot is coming along, but when you think back to that game uh, where the Celtics came back, where the Bucs gave up the big lead, uh, that was kind of indicative of what was happening in that second half where the Bucs couldn't hit a three to save themselves and the Celtics were hitting shots from everywhere. And when Ty started hitting threes, you were like, okay, well, this is, this is not going to be the, the Bucks' night. But uh, getting back to the original point, the, the fact that they have those, those guys, particularly Tatum Brown and Haywood, that they can always have a guy that can get his own shot uh, on on the floor at, at any point. And at times when we've looked at the Bucs and we've spoken about the rotation for them, and it's like, okay, what do you do in the minutes where, uh, you know, particularly when the Bucs are going, these five guys uh, off the bench lineups, it's like, okay, well, they can't really get their own shot. Stevens hasn't really had to do that. He's been able to... Uh, re- uh, set up his rotation where he's always got guys on there that are versatile defensively. When you think of Tatum and Brown, guys that can guard multiple positions, Marcus Smart, we know uh, that they're comfortable with him guarding bigs. Uh, they just, I think versatile's a the word. They've got a lot uh, of different options that they can, they can throw at you offensively and defensively. There's been a lot of talk about this team potentially making a trade uh, for a big guy. I'm not sure if they're going to want to do that because I, I think that they like these small lineups that they can, they can throw at you. And particularly with Giannis, we've seen, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know, I don't really ever feel comfortable saying that there's a certain type of player that can give Giannis trouble. But when you can throw multiple guys that, that if they can get back and slow down the bucks and not allow them to get in transition, set up that wall that everyone likes to talk about and be disciplined, which we know Brad Stevens teams in the past have been, Uh, non Kyrie Irving Celtics uh, teams would say that Uh, that can be the type of uh, those can be the type of lineups that can cause the Bucks trouble last time they played Milwaukee only managed 34 points in the paint they were turned into a jump shooting team in the second half and it didn't go well
0: yeah I mean I I think uh, you know we talked about it in the Knicks game I mean the Knicks have some guys who at least physically aren't necessarily going to get completely overwhelmed by Giannis but um when you don't play a really kind of team oriented mm. gang tackling style on him uh th- that's telling intensity when he's most dangerous and you know again that you look at the celtics team you know daniel tice and his canter um you know they do have robert williams but he's played in only half their games and at 14 minutes a game he's obviously not playing tons and tons of minutes did play against the bucks when we saw them earlier this year but Um, you know, Williams is a shot blocker, very interesting, kind of maybe long-term defensive prospect, but you know, Tyson, and, uh, I mean, I don't want to discredit Tice. I don't want to put Tice in the Cantor camp defensively. I think Tice, you know, has certainly his, his strong suits, but he's much more of a mobile guy than a, you know, he's not Joel Embiid or Rudy Mm -hmm. Gobert, obviously sitting back there, um, physically competing with Giannis at the apex or something like that. right? Right. Um, but you know, again, I think there's a good argument that the best way to slow Giannis and, and you know, if you slow it on Giannis, then you slow it on the Bucks, obviously. Um, I think there's a good argument that the the way to do it is you, you play small and, you know, basically you, you say, okay, um, we're just going to have guys who can get back in transition, who can um, get around the court better, rotate more effectively Uh, We'll dare you to, you know, post up Brooke Lopez or Robin Lopez or whichever low pie uh, twin is out there um, because, you know, we'll just take our chances basically. And, you know, the Blazers and the Kings did that. Bucks won both games going away uh, in no small part because neither of those teams shot the three ball well in those games we've obviously seen what happens when teams like Spurs shoot the three ball very well and things tend to get much more difficult, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I think you look at those matchups and we've seen Tatum and Brown. I mean, you know, at times when they've had to cope with Giannis individually the last few years, it is really, really hard. Not surprisingly, you know, those guys um, just don't have the size or strength uh, one-on-one, you know, Giannis just kind of overwhelms them. But I think, I think what, what worked, you know, when smart had some success against Giannis, um, it's because, you know, Smart's a flopper. So I think Giannis has to be really careful about Smart flopping and taking charges. And, you know, you can kind of do a little bit of, and again, the the Celtics do not have the defensive personnel that obviously the Raptors had in the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, in Jan, when Giannis is on the perimeter, okay, if he's facing up Marcus Smart, I mean, you know, he's not going to, like, necessarily drive around Marcus Smart, right? Um, he's got to be really careful in how he is able to use his body and you know that smart's going to try to take charges and that can happen in the post as well. And if he goes in the post against a small guy, well you can double team, right? And we saw obviously the Raptors, they didn't let Giannis go at Kawhi Leonard in the post one-on-one, right? They double teamed and really made him try to attack from the perimeter, in which case a smaller guy, whether it's smart or Leonard to be clear, Leonard's obviously a more versatile higher end defender than smart, but, um, but that can definitely cause some challenges for a guy like Giannis. And, and again, this also puts pressure on him to shoot the three ball well. And it also, I think puts pressure uh, on the coaching staff, of the bucks to try to move him around, put him in different positions um, that, that may be challenge, uh, challenge him a little bit and, and try different things. So, um, you know, again, I think that's where um, you use pick and rolls. Right. And uh, if, if, if the Celtics just switch a pick and roll when smart or or whoever is guarding Giannis, then you're either going to get a switch or you're going to get, you know, somebody going downhill, Uh, Chris Middleton or Bledsoe going downhill against a guy who obviously, you know, smart is not used to playing like a zone drop defense, defending Giannis or something like that. That's obviously a position that guards just aren't normally in. So, um, so again, I, I don't think the bucks need to, you know, try wacky stuff tomorrow if uh if the Celtics give them some different looks defensively um you know it's I think it's more just about okay just figure out how you can put Giannis in space a little bit give him room to operate obviously the more you get the more you get stops the more you get uh, the ability to run out and transition and you know attack a defense before it's set yeah no rocket science there that that's obviously preferable to having to take the ball out of the bottom net and walk it up the court and, and get into your set offense in half court but um it should be fun to watch and and again i'm also just sort of curious you you look up and down this roster for the celtics i think probably the most impressive thing to me is you know they have a lot of just random dudes coming off the bench and it's not even that those guys are like having good seasons like it's it, it really speaks volumes about um how well those you know the starters and really the top six in that rotation have played because um you know, after you get past the top six in the rotation, right? Basically, the starters plus smart. Um, you know, the names you're seeing are Cantor, who obviously, yeah, we know what Cantor can do. Obviously, he's used to that six-man role, so uh, you don't, no shock that he would be solid. But you know, Brad Wanamaker, backup point guard, <laughs> has had a nice season, uh, and I don't know that anybody would have been like thrilled with the idea of relying heavily on Brad Wanamaker as your backup point guard. Um, you know, Grant Williams, I think. Rookie forward that a lot of people like a lot, um, plays with high IQ. But, I mean, he hasn't been able to make any shots this, <laughs> this year. Uh, Semi-Ojelay, we know kind of Semi-Ojelay's situation. Um, you know, again, he has obviously clear limitations. Uh, and then you've got just a ton of young dudes, Robert Williams, Carson Edwards, Romeo Lankford, and then dudes that literally like, you know, Tremont Waters and Javante Green, I couldn't pick them out of lineups. <laughs> um, so it's a uh, it, it's a roster to me that you know you have to give I think Brad Stevens a lot of credit that he's been able to to grind out a ton of wins and you know that strong point differential with uh, you know really six or seven guys who feel you know seven guys who feel like sort of proven NBA rotation players and then a whole bunch of young guys and kind of some some random dudes.
1: Yeah, so the Celtics aren't really a team uh, that are going to, to crush you by scoring in the paint. They are a jump shooting team. As I said, they've got a bunch of guys that can score uh, in isolation, get their own shot. So the thing that's interesting to me is to look at the role and, and I'm curious to, to know what you think, uh, Frank, whether uh, what sort of role the Lopez brothers are going to play here. You spoke uh, about some of the lineups they had about uh, against Sacramento and, and also Portland and on that West Coast trip. So... Uh, in this one, it will be interesting to see. We know Kemba Walker is a guy that has, that has crushed the Bucks in pick and roll uh, on offense as a, as a jump shooter time and time again from his time in Charlotte. Uh, and also, he got, really got roller in that game earlier in the season. And when the Bucks wanted to get Giannis free and get him open and get him going downhill and stop the Celtics from being organized, because we always talk about the Bucs uh, defense being a system thing, and the fact that they bring in a bunch of different guys and it, it doesn't really matter whether it's Brook Lopez playing the five, then they can bring in Robin. The paint defense is still uh, stout throughout all those lineups. The Celtics are very similar. And in this game earlier in the season, uh, particularly in the second half, when the Bucks could not hit threes, I think they were two for 21 or at, at, through some stretch in that second half. Uh, that's when the Celtics got on top. Seven fast break points in that game. As I already mentioned, only 34 points in the paint for the Bucks. They need to find a way to, to get out in transition to score. But to do that, they need stops. So what are they going to do defensively, do you think? How are they going uh, to look to stop Kemba Walker and stop these guys from just shooting the shots that they want? Because if you allow them to, they're going to shoot from that mid-range all night long and also from the three. And in that game earlier in the season, again, uh, they found themselves open looks, 41% from three. And that was a much, much higher in the second half when they really got roll.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing you worry about is just the way that Kemba can just go on these runs um, almost by himself. I mean, we, we kind of saw that a bit in, in that game and we've seen it, um, you know, as well when, when Kemba was in, in Charlotte, like he just has these, he just can just, is liable to just have these runs where he's just really, really difficult to stop. Um, you know, I think fundamentally the, the, Celtics can go small, and I think the – you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that, again, they're just not going to play Cantor or Tice for long stretches. Um, I, I imagine those guys will still play. I don't think those they'll, they'll play super small. Um, but I, I think, you know, you think about Tice, he can stretch out to the three-point line. Um, and I think certainly the way that uh, Lopez wants to play defense against Tice – um, there's obviously going to be a um, you know pressure on Bledsoe, and George Hill to get over screens and make sure that you know Kemba isn't getting uh, too easy of a look coming off those screens for for pull up threes. Um, and you know, I think back to literally the first game of last season where Kemba kind of went off and the Bucs barely hung on to win that game. And you know, kind of a rude awakening for Bledsoe. You know, he felt like he wasn't. I think he even commented that it felt like man, he was he was failing because he couldn't, couldn't get, uh, you know, they couldn't stop Kemba, but um, we've seen over time that that's, you know, been, been made a fair bit and probably playing a game against D- Damian Lillard a couple of games ago is probably yeah. pretty good practice. Um, Cause we saw, you know, Lillard pulls up off those high pick and rolls from about as far out as, as anyone um, far further out than Kemba. I don't think Kemba's is like, you know, shooting a lot of 30 foot threes. Uh, exactly but that'll put pressure on them and and you know i, I guess we'll see um I, i'm also kind of curious to see um you know smart has made progress in terms of his three point shooting he's at 33% uh, on threes this year um six you know a game. he's going to be yeah <laughs> yeah six a game uh he's going to be coming off the i mean if he comes off the bench though it's interesting because then you really don't have the option of putting him uh, on Giannis to start anyway. Mm. Um, so I don't know, I am curious kind of what their approach is going to be. Um, because I mean, to me, I, I probably put Tice on Giannis and then put one of those wings on, on, on Brooke maybe to start and just basically dare them to, uh, to try to post up, uh, Brooke Lopez. Right. I mean, that, that might be kind of the, the most basic way to take the bucks out of what they typically want to do and just sort of see if they, uh, if they take the bait. Um, and if that does happen, then, you know, again, I think, um, we've seen both Lopez brothers obviously be able to be successful in the post this year. And and again, this is the sort of the challenge though. It's like when Giannis is out there, I don't think you want to suddenly be going to a lot of Brooke Lopez in the post type looks. Um, but again, over the course of a game, if, if they do try to dare the bucks a little bit with that, then, then certainly I think you'll, you'll see that. But I imagine with the second unit, um, Rolo versus Cantor, assuming both guys are healthy. Um, you know that seems like a pretty pretty obvious matchup that that we'll see um, at some point and then I think just the question is does does either coach try to get funky a little bit and I think probably the most interesting question for me is you know where does where does Yana or sorry where does Ursan fit into this because um, again we've seen in these types of small ball games that he often doesn't have anybody to guard and I mean if you know if you were putting Urson out there and a power forward is Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward or, you know, or Jason Tatum, that ain't going to work. Now coming off the bench, you probably aren't going to see that very much when those Urson minutes, but um, that's, this is again where, you know, you hope that bud is cognizant of those matchups because heck that's where, you know, the Sterling Brown at power forward lineups would obviously make a lot more sense that we've seen it at various points.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And that's something that I'm also looking forward to because you know when, when we do look, and, and I kind of wish that I could trust this a little bit more because even when I think to that, uh, that game just a couple of days ago in Sacramento, Ersan wasn't playing. So I would like to think that Bud would say, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, you want to go small? I'm not going to put Ersan out there, but I'm not sure that I'm willing to trust the fact that he's not going to play him. Uh, but when you, when you look back to the game earlier in the season, uh, Sterling Brown, Dante Divincenzo, DMP, coach's decision. So uh, that's how long ago this one. This one was back in October. So uh, I mean, obviously Dante is going to play. Uh, we'll wait and see. But uh, you know, for me, if, if you're talking about teams that, that potentially the Bucks could see in the playoffs and matchups that suit uh, a guy like Sterling Brown getting some time, particularly defensively, as you as you mentioned when. I mean, God, I mean, if 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 Jason Tatum has as a sign as a matchup there, I mean, it's you know where the ball's going and it's probably not going to end well and and you're just hoping that he's missing shots. So for me, uh, this is a is a game that Sterling Brown could could look to to see some minutes and and we'll see. The injury report, is only uh, super early, obviously, here as we're recording this, but Dante and Wesley Matthews are both uh listed. Uh they're both probable, but Dante with a, a right finger sprain and uh, Wesley Matthews with a left finger sprain. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with those two. But uh, both lists are probable. So, at this stage, uh, we'll see. And then, obviously, uh, we'll have to wait until later in the day, probably until game time to find out about Jason Tatum. But uh, this is an interesting matchup. It's so funny to think uh, back to the playoffs last season and and there was all this sort of built-up tension about the Bucs and what happened the year before in the playoffs. And then they really uh, just blew by them. But uh, I think... All our sort of initial thoughts about that Celtics team and what was happening with Kyrie Irving were sort of confirmed uh, or have been confirmed by how well this, this Boston team has played so far this season. And, and yes, they lose to Detroit tonight, which is interesting because now they're 7.5 games back of the Bucks, which is just <laughs> incredible. But uh, they've played at a high level this season and this is, this is going to be the, the biggest challenge the Bucks have had for a little while here.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, again, you've already lost to them once. Um, you know, last year the Bucks didn't lose to any East team more than once, which is, again, remarkable um, over a full season uh, given – I mean, it's not like the Bucks were the only good team in the East last year, you know, as much as the Celtics had problems. I mean, they were still a, a pretty good regular season team. Obviously Toronto, we know what they can do. Philadelphia, we know what they can do. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, last year also I, mean, I think the, the Bucks only got – the Celtics and Sixers three times, I believe each. Um, yeah. So that also, I mean that that obviously helps mi- minimize your opportunities for for losses to some extent. So winning both series two one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this should be a, a fun game. And um, you know, again, I think probably Bucks. You, know, you think back to that game uh, in Boston. Giannis got very frustrated at the end with some of the officiating. Right. And, and again, specifically smart in the way that he's obviously a pest and an agitator. They had that moment where they both went tumbling to the ground. Um, And, you know, again, you're just waiting, you know, you just knew smart was just praying for Giannis to lash out at him. And Giannis did get a technical eventually for complaining to the ref, but um, yeah, you know, um, it it adds a little bit of spice. And, And again, the Celtics not expected to be a team that competed for the East title this year. So for sure, I think there is a degree of them wanting to, prove their bona fides no better way to do that than winning in milwaukee and likewise the bucks probably want to remind them hey you know what like yeah you got us in that first game but um we hadn't quite reached our our stride yet and uh we 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 are the best team in 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 the league right now so uh again of late maybe some of these games against lesser opponents maybe a a little bit like you know screwing around uh getting getting a chance to try some different things or you know, rest guys. I mean, you know, Giannis and Chris playing 21 minutes each in the last game obviously uh, speaks to sort of how just how easy many of these games have been. But um, you know, this is the, these are the games why you're happy to to get rest against teams like the Knicks because obviously you expect a much tougher battle against uh, against a, a team that has has put a target on your back. Right. I mean, uh, it's funny how this rivalry has grown in these yeah. past few years with uh, you know consecutive playoff series against one another and both teams winning one and obviously boston trying to reassert itself as legitimate contenders in the east and the bucks doing everything they can to uh, remind people that they're even better than they were a year ago
1: yeah it's going to be a fun one uh it's interesting as you mentioned that that uh, right off the top that the, the Bucs just have not played a lot of the uh the top teams in the east and we're going to get a little uh, taste of that and the Bucs are going to get a chance to avenge <laughs> some of these uh rare losses that they've had this season and uh the Celtics obviously there's a bit of history here as, as you sort of pointed to just there so uh, i think that i still don't think that the Bucs have forgotten the fact that they lost to the Celtics a couple of years earlier and now i think the Celtics uh are looking to prove a point that last year's playoff series was more to do with other factors than it was uh, uh, potentially what they believe the Bucks just overpowered them after uh, going down one nothing. so uh, we'll see but it's going to be fun it's on TNT so uh, the Bucks get another chance uh, to, to beat uh, one of the better teams in the East on, on national TV and we hope for a better result than what we got on, uh, on Christmas Day but I'm looking forward to this one it should be a lot of fun the Bucks look to move to 37 and 6 with a win against Boston for Frank Madden and myself Kane Pittman we'll speak to you guys tomorrow